0: down in my Good afternoon, You've Got Living Writers, and I'm T. Hetzel. Today on the program, I'm so happy to be speaking with Michelle Chan-Brown from Maryland. Um, uh, Well, speaking to us from Maryland via phone. Michelle, welcome to Living Writers. Michelle, I'm so glad to be talking with you today. Um, Welcome to the show. Thank you. to start the show, what I'll do is I'm going to read a short bio um, from the back of your, your first book, your first book of poems, Double Agent, out with Core Press, actually the 2011 winner of the Core Press First Book Award. So we'll start there. Michelle Chan Brown's work, has appeared or is forthcoming in Kamarn Review, Line Break, The Missouri Review, Quarterly West, Sycamore Review, Tampa Review, Witness, and others. Her chapbook, The Clever Decoys, is available from LATR Editions. She has received scholarships from the Sewanee Writers' Conference, the Vermont Studio Center, and the Wesleyan Writers' Conference. She earned her MFA at the University of Michigan. Go blue. Go blue. <laughs> and lives with her husband, the musician Paul Eric Lipp, in Washington, D.C. She works as poetry editor for Drunken Boat. You can also check out Michelle Chan Brown's website at michellechanbrown.com. And all you people out there, and you should, um, Michelle, did you get a chance to Facebook this yet? Because people can, I, people can go ahead and tune in to, to wcbn.org and stream this now. Okay. Well, Michelle, I wish you were here so that we could be doing this um, at the studio here, face to face, or at Old Town. Um, <laughs> yeah, d- yeah, that would that would be ideal. But... <laughs> that, that would be ideal. Um, but anyway, it's still it's great to hear your voice and congratulations on this this first book. Thank you so much. um So, what now for Double Agent? Have you been um, doing a couple of readings? What's been? And you've just got back from a trip, so maybe. Maybe you could tell us a little bit what's been happening with you with your writing life.
1: Well, it's been kind of a um, topsy-turvy couple months because I was uh, at a boarding school in Connecticut for five years right after uh, being in Ann Arbor with you, and I had a wonderful job there working as a writer-in-residence and running a creative writing program for the students there. And then um, I fell in love, got married, and we moved uh, to Washington last year. So where I took another teaching job outside of the city. So um, between the book coming out and the move and the marriage and sort of life, life. So huge things. Doing huge what it will. Huge things. Um, my writing schedule has been a bit chaotic, but I've been working a lot on new material. And um, I'm on this pretty disciplined routine for the summer that I'm sure will be derailed soon enough. But <laughs> well,
0: Will it jinx us if you tell us what it is? Because that would be great.
1: My my writing routine? Yeah. Um, well, I just got back yesterday, or two days ago, from this retreat, the Kundiman Retreat, and Kundiman is the Asian American Poetry collected, Collective um, out of Fordham University. And um, it was honestly life-changing. Um, I can't say enough about how to, to be with other Asian American poets, to be in that space, how stimulating it was sort of artistically, and I would even say morally.
0: Um, oh, really?
1: Yeah. How, um, how so, well, Michelle? What? I think, and this may sound a little bit grandiose, but I think um, as, as, an, as, a, as an artist and I think as a poet with a day job, you, you, you don't really, you're so busy trying to, to, to finish whatever it is that you're doing that you aren't necessarily thinking about what your work is trying to say or whether it should be saying anything because it's it, it, sometimes it seems like it's enough just to get something done, but I think it's important to be reminded that, and that's not the same thing as considering audience or writing for an audience, but just thinking about the fact that writing is a kind of ethical act and that you are putting something in the world that is going to have some sort of impact, whether it be large or small, and to really consider that rather than just diving through and thinking the completion of the task is enough. Mm-hmm. Is that, does that make sense?
0: It does. No, it completely um, does. And
1: so, when I was there, Liang Lee Li Lee gave this very um, inspiring talk about um, the idea of pr- being a prime versus a composite number, and and the unconscious self, and the daemon, and the duende and all this Whoa. stuff that I hadn't really thought about <laughs> since I've been working and living. Um, so it was, it was, it was, it was good.
0: Yes. Yeah. The duende. <laughs> Yeah. I think I can remember us all talking about that once in class and Rilke and um that's that's wonderful Michelle that it actually is. Um and so it's did you actually have time while you were there to write as well or was it um more meeting and inter like interacting with people and going to
1: panels?
0: It was
2: a,
1: there was some writing time and there was also just a lot of um I wouldn't call it social time but intensive time with other people and it was that weird space where um you feel close and connected to people very quickly which doesn't always happen in the weirdly um in the world anymore i think by nature of you know the way that modern life is organized so yes. i think it was um artistically very generative and i think also great to make meet friends and just be goofy and and <laughs> feel like a human being again which yeah. i had been feeling like for a while.
0: Yeah. You're, and you're, you're sort of your core self there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Well, well, Michelle, you actually, so from the short bio in the back of Double Agent, um we didn't know all the wonderful news except you filled us in with so many of the changes and you're in Washington DC right now. Mm -hmm. Um, it's so I think it's especially wonderful that your first book is called double agent, (laughs) um, the politics and the, the intrigue and, um, there's so many uh sharp narratives running through this book can you tell us a little bit about how you put this book together because i know you have the chapbook book um that was before uh this but how did this what were the pieces that um came together for this particular book and how did it sort of all come under the umbrella double agent
1: well i think the seed for this Book began in in at Michigan, you know, and I, but I was writing a lot of narrative poems about my experience uh, living on the Eastern Bloc during the 80s with my my parents. My dad was in the foreign service, um, and I think I was less interested in kind of these. Wasn't it so crazy when we were in Russia? Kind of those types of poems, but rather <laughs> engaging with a feeling of menace and untruth that seemed to really permeate um, the my experience there and the experience of, the, the, of, of, of this American institution abroad. Yes. Something that as a child, I, 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 I wouldn't even call it Lynchian exactly, but just a, a sense that I had of, of, of that whole movement, that whole experience, that whole childhood experience, being, give, having this kind of strange and menacing soundtrack. Um, and I was trying to access that feeling that I thought was a particular feeling enough to be a book. Um, yes. Through narrative, but it it never really caught caught fire. Um, and then after I left Ann Arbor, I, I was uh, working more on other poems, and 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 then something happened um, in the, the summer that I went to Vermont, where I was uh, reading a lot of um, I was listening to a lot of The Knife, and 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 uh, reading a lot, and and these poems just sort of started coming together, and and rather than being narrative poems about my experience there, they, they, they formed a different kind of fragmentary narrative about, I guess, trying to find consciousness within that space. Trying um, to find consciousness. Yeah. Um, the sense of when living abroad and, and when you're constantly switching codes and switching personas, and as a child, you, you, are, you are so unsure of what is actually true and who is actually in the know, right, mm. and how you're supposed to be. Um, And then with this double layer of being overseas, when there's a kind of expectation of behavior um, within the foreign service. Yes. And I think also how that idea of performance and truth figures into um, femininity. Yes. And then another layer would be, I suppose, being bicultural, being half Chinese and half white, um, how that kind of code-switching occurs. Uh, I think especially because I was working at a ver- at an old New England boarding school that seemed to me to be like the epitome of a kind of, that th- to survive as, to function or to-, to get into those kinds of old systems you- was another kind of performance. Yes. Um, so I guess the book asks questions about how that registers on the psyche um, and where do we look for what's true. Um that makes sense.
0: It does. It does. And what's what's also interesting is that I feel like in reading Double Agent, um, it do, it doesn't it doesn't feel like a child's voice within it. Like, can you talk a little bit about um, the the voice within the book, or was what because your age with that age that you were accessing sort of for this to for this, this experience, Michelle, Mm -hmm. how old were you during this time? Like sort of this, when you, the experience that you've been telling us about,
1: Um, I would say, you know, from when I was born until I was about 22. um, But the voice in the book is, I think, necessarily a bit, um, Older and wiser. (laughs) Older and wiser, unreliable, um, constantly trying on new modes to see if they succeed. I mean, I think the book is, is an attempt to find that voice that seems to be, that voice, that persona, that poetic mode that seems to be most accurately stating what it is that it wants to say, um, while also being very suspicious of committing to that.
0: Yes. I guess, well, then it's even more perfect that it's called Double Agent.
1: Yeah, I think that that was, you know, I tried out a lot of titles, and I know I <laughs> in some ways it's, 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 it's a little bit... Um, Noirish or uh it sounds like you know a a John Lacare book from the eighties <laughs> or something but no. um
0: no uh well but I think in a way that it's um it's it's working though it i think you know I can see why you chose it
1: yeah i, I i'm I, I was happy with it ultimately <laughs> after, after you know um trying out other titles, this is what this is what I ended up feeling, right?
0: Right, right. And I think now that it's actually a book in the world, then it, it is what it is. Yeah. And it couldn't be anything else at yeah. this point. And Michelle, um, what was the experience of working with Core Press? Um well, actually, you know what? Let's talk a little bit about Core Press and a little bit about its, its mission when we come back. We're going to take a short break, um, hear another song. Michelle's chosen all the songs for today's show. Um, so, Michelle, does that sound good to you? We'll, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Wonderful. Thank you. Oh, okay. Um, so today on the program, Michelle Chan-Brown, her book, Double Agent. When we come back, we'll be talking with Michelle and hearing some of the poems right back. Good afternoon. If you're just joining us, I'm glad you did. You've got living writers. I'm T. Hetzel. And today on the program, Michelle Chan Brown um, is speaking to us um, from her mom's house in Maryland. Michelle, you're living in Washington, D.C. now. Um, and you have to uh, next time. Next time we do Living Writers, let's do it in person, eh? Mm-hmm. You can come up. can you can you bring the whole show over to DC? We should do a road show sometime, travel around. Yep, Greg, Greg, who's behind the glass, is like he's saying he might even take some shifts driving.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Have um, a picnic lunch. I'll take you guys to the White House. It'll be you know. Well, maybe I can't do that. But. Okay.
0: We'll see what you can do because we won't be there tomorrow. <laughs> um, but Michelle, um, we w- before the break we were talking a little bit about Core Press because you were the 2011 winner of mm-hmm. the First Book Award uh, from Core Press. Um, could you tell us a little bit about uh, the press itself?
1: Um, sure. The press is um, run by Lisa Bowden and it's out of Arizona. And I, I uh, you know I, I, I it, it's mission is it is a feminist press. But I think that that, that term, feminist, encompasses uh, a whole range of writers.
0: Yes. Diversity of And Diversi- really the goal is to bring
1: work into the world that may not immediately find a mainstream press. And so they've brought everyone... I mean, they've published books by Sandra Lim, who just won the Barnard um, Second Book Award. And they've published some really experimental short stories. Um, I think one thing that, that Corey does is that they put together really... They don't publish a lot of books, but they're really beautiful. Um, and I think um, they have a knack for recognizing and and taking in books that deserve a home. Yes. Um, and, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean. I, I think people hear the word feminist press and, and associate that with something that's, like, thematically feminist or right. explicitly political. Right. And I would say that that, that, that would not be not accurate. The case. Not to say right. that they would reject works that dealt with that explicitly, but. Um that that was that was the, the heart of the mission, but it's really involved to be more inclusive and I think just to counter some of the um, some of the the dominant culture in publishing, which you know if you read the Vita stats, you know so um it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a wonderful experience working and, with them.
0: And so when you guys were putting together the book, Michelle, did you already, um, how much editorial uh, d- design when you were ta- did you sort of give them the book and you already knew you wanted epigraphs and you had um, sort of the book in the, the three sections? Um, did you have um, an idea of an image for the cover?
1: Um, I didn't. I mean, the, the manuscript that I sent in, I think, was actually more experimental than what ended up being the final book. Um, Banu Kapil was the judge, and so I don't know if you're familiar with her work, but um, she definitely deals with these kinds of hybrid forms and um, experimental kind of poems. But in, in I, I was given a lot of time to to revise, and so I think I polished the manuscript and tightened it up and changed it around and reordered the pieces. Oh,
0: really? A lot. A lot of changes happened.
1: Well enough, because I I've never been someone that understood that writing writing towards a certain manuscript. I just kind of write poems, and then eventually it seems like they're together, and that's right. You know, like I want to like, write a manuscript about the history of Poland Spring or something, but it's just that's just not the way I think. Right. Um, so a lot of the the work for me was thinking about rearranging the pieces in a way that formed some kind of something um, cohesive. And then in terms of cover design, um, I thought it would be like something I would know it when I saw it, you know? And they gave me a lot of options and they worked with an artist out of um, L.A. And she, we, we looked through a bunch and then ended up with this one, so.
0: Oh, so that is great. So you do, you are able to help the book look like you want it to. Absolutely. And it's so interesting about some of the design changes then. Um, with the... I love that the embassy is the final poem, too. Embassy. Yeah. (laughs) I do. Yeah. Anyway, so I can see how, and I wonder, like, that, I wonder then, is that something when you were thinking about how to make these these poems uh more as you said more more like to come together to form maybe a more cohesive narrative or or something maybe not the narrative itself but that sense that you were you were talking about in the the first quarter michelle where you were trying to get the the strange and the menacing and the doubleness quality Mm -hmm. and to probably feel like were you dealing with like how did you deal with that as you were arranging them is it even possible to say i wonder
1: Well, looking at the table of contents now, I think I guess the doubleness is played out in the first section more with the poems that are rooted elsewhere in that other landscape, that vaguely eastern blockish landscape, and the second are the second poems are more domestic, both like or they're 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 more set in in places that would be recognizable as like an American landscape or or small town, which has a similar, I think, kind of feeling of oppressiveness and menace but it manifests itself really differently yes yes and um because i didn't really grow up here working in in this mill town in connecticut was my first exposure to that living there on this pristine boarding school campus right next to it was this this, this dying town (laughs) that would be really something michelle yeah so a lot of those poems came out of that and then the third was i think about the um the doubling of of love i mean of being in a in a Relationship with someone else, and the illusions that you this sounds kind of cliche, but um, the, the selves that you try on in order to woo this person, and the self that you think you are in relation to the other person, and how no one really tells you that if you actually marry that that stuff is always uh, a a, uh, a recalibration. Um, there's always another layer of like delusion and illusion within the space of two people. I think um, that you're always reframing, and, and that that sounds really uh, negative, but I don't mean it that way. No, no, it doesn't. Um,
0: no, no, it doesn't. I think I think what you're trying to do is is just um, speak honestly about how it was sort of we're all grappling with these identities and and also an influence and. And with another person that's the you're the closest to. No, I, I think I understand what you're saying. I do. Hey, let's hear a poem.
1: Okay. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> what are you going to read for us first, Michelle? Which one? Are you leafing through the book now?
1: Yeah. Um, I could read, well, um, how about... Um, Do you have a preference?
0: I would, I would like you to read what you'd like to read. I have, I have my book here right in front of me with my my dog ears, but I'd love to just have you. Just you. We're going to be reading a few, so you can, yeah. What? Well, maybe do you want to read one of the ones that feels like the time from the early time since sure. we started talking about that was kind of maybe part of the genesis of this this collection was this. Why don't time. I
1: read um pins and needles? Okay, great. Okay. Pins and Needles, my mother's back bent like a question mark. I knew the work of her, the fix and fuss and cover, better than my own name. Nerves sheathed our tablecloth and lined our mattress. For God's sake, my father said, do something useful. Afraid of her teeth, the implied threat of their stance, she sanctioned necessities her smile, her feedings. For God's sake, my father said, we're in public. The live-in servants pinched thread for ceremonial shrouds. The city, alas, was burning, along with the butcher's best pork. No one to amend this. My sister stretched her brassiere collection across the neighborhood a one-girl vaudeville of Gore and Jean Nate. Her indigent audience slinked in and out, all hours. I wrote, someday, I will know what is important. The neighborhood brightened with bombs. For God's sake, said my father, not in the house. The telephone jangled, mad as a QP. We were always being called to headquarters. We expected miracles from our bodies. I wrote, thin tastes better than any food. There was no end to propaganda. I was searching for the right right word incorrectly. A silver spoon blackened my black tongue. And my mother slurring at the dictionary. Couldn't she tell error? From Arrow, English only read the signs at the embassy. Door to door, I sold knives to the wives of consuls. I bequeathed cherry bombs to their kids' tree houses. Said the servants, these are grave times. I hold them close as love. I want to sink into the backs of true men, the generals and electricians, the talkers, and takers of night. I'll live on plumes and wiring. My mother was afraid of her fingers. She squirreled them in the dry crevices of the furniture. Desiccate there, little liars, she'd croon, rocking herself into her fear in her genuine rocking chair.
0: Thank you, Michelle. Thanks. It's, and I don't know if it's because now I've I've read read the book twice, so I'm transferring something. But I almost feel like this is one that I almost remember parts of, like an early reading, an early version of that. I don't know if that's possible,
1: though. Maybe it it it. Um, I mean, I you know, this is again kind of a cliche, but we return to our obsessions, and and um, I think this is probably the accumulation of some kind of poem I've been writing. For a very long time, um, and and really, fi- actually, it was really finding those couplets as yes, a, which yes. a, which is something I rely on a lot in the book as a, being a way to move when I didn't know where to go. That the, the something about the couplets and, and sound managed to pull me through,
0: and the breaks that it requires. Mm-hmm. And I think
1: in, indulging my penchant for puns occasionally, <laughs> like the the couplet allowed me to do that. <laughs>
0: Well, I say bring it on, Michelle (laughs) Chan-Brown.
1: Thanks. uh, thanks. I'm glad I have your full support with my puns.
0: Punning it up. Okay, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back, and we'll talk more today on Living Writers. Um, I'm happy to have speaking with us from from Washington, D.C., Michelle Chan-Brown, her book of poems, Double Agent. Um, I'm T. Hetzel. We'll be right back. You've got living writers on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I'm T Hetzel, and today on the program, Michelle Chan Brown, her book Double Agent. Um, Michelle, thanks for reading the poem for us in the, the last quarter, and and welcome back there. Thanks. You and DC and um, Michelle, how is it how is it going with because you're 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 living outside of D.C., um, and you're the poetry editor of Drunken Boat. Um,
1: we're, actually, we're actually living in the city. Did
0: I say that? He's, oh, you are. Oh, yeah, in the are. city. Mm-hmm. In the city. Okay. Um, it must be great to be back in a city, actually, then. It
1: is. That's. I guess that's why I was like, we, we are in the city. We um, are. We are. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, um, <laughs> being able to, to walk and take the subway again has been wonderful. So.
0: And do you think, like, Washington, D.C., is it one of those places that... Um, maybe you have a certain sense for it because of living abroad for the first part of your life as well, like a different sense that someone else would have who was living there.
1: D.C. is a strange town. I mean, I think there's a lot of talk now about how it's undergone this renaissance, and there's all this energy, and and that's that's true. But the the thing about D.C. is that there's that uh, everyone's in transition, obviously, and everybody's hustling, and, and the and the um. The currency is not like money, like in New York or, or the film industry. It's just kind of power and influence. Um, and then underneath that that level of, of, of frenetic transition, there's this odd stagnation that I, I feel in D.C. Um, I, 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 I can't tell you why I feel that, but maybe uh, just something with the architecture, that the aesthetics of the city. Um, that side, it's really beautiful, and it is definitely... Um, hip and lively and fun so we we love living here but um there is it, it's it's not a city that um that emits a, a uniform mood for me
0: and maybe um is that maybe why because you're running as part is that the running that you do like daily runs is that part of your your practice, even your writing practice
1: it is yeah and i've I've been also trying to um uh Running and walking, um, for sure, yeah. Although I, I don't venture as much beyond my neighborhood as I would like to. Um, but th- really, th- there, are these, there are these two Washingtons, you know, the northwest D.C. and then other parts of the city, and they are still very divided, you know. Um, and that strikes me as odd that it's our capital, but it's still, it's, it, it, because it's not big like New York but it still seems very segregated economically and, and everything else.
0: Oh, I see. I guess I, I do see what you're saying now. Um, because, yeah, sometimes I think as a default, when I think of D.C., I think more of um, just the area like, oh, like the Smithsonian like, or something. Right, and like the
1: cherry blossoms. And, of, and of course, that's all there. But the, the, but there's a lot of poverty. Strange, of people and, actually living in the city, Yes. you know?
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh but how interesting. So I almost can feel like the next um the poems that are that you might that might be at work right now um when you were saying that the the currency of power and influence. I feel like this might be part of the things that is that sort of has that infused some of your work now, Michelle?
1: Yeah, I'm working on a second manuscript right now that um is dealing with this idea of the purge um which sounds very vague, but the purge both in terms of the, the the cultural extremes um the body as a form of purge purge as religion um and and I think formally I'm trying to, I'm writing a lot of really thin poems that are that are very stripped and and um working towards my tendency towards like glut and excess mm.
2: mm-hmm. um
1: and I think that that maybe being in Washington and being surrounded by like a multitude of narratives and and this 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 currency that's very powerful that's very uh dominant but kind of um ephemeral in some ways mhm has mm-hmm. Uh, is is driving me towards trying to figure out like to, to extract meaning from that um to peel away what isn't because a purge can be sort of a, the removal of a bad element but it can also be a kind of purifying process mm. yes so that's that's my project right now
0: and especially after this 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 um the kundiman um, right, because feeling that w- what you were talking about as is writing as an um, an ethical act and, mm-hmm. and finding that um, maybe that that purifying element is is going to be coming out somehow. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know or or cleansing or whatever. Well, actually, now all the words seem to
1: not be fitting <laughs> quite right. No, but it, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem enough to me anymore to just. Acknowledge that there are some things that are difficult to say and sort of be satisfied with um, That difficulty or take on the posture of irony or just say well everything's just so strange right. I, I, right, I feel like I'm 31 and I want to be able to To say something to take some kind of stance if that makes any sense And it and and poetry has been both I think a useful way of evading that because it. It, and it does acknowledge complexity. That's what. That's one of the reasons I'm drawn to it as a form. But I think the best poems always do insist on a kind of razor truth, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, I don't know what that's going to look like, and if I'm even capable of it. But I would, I would like to try.
0: Oh, uh, I think you're capable of it. Thanks, Dee. Michelle. <laughs> um, let's. Like speaking of poems, let's. Could Could you read another one for us? Sure. Um really great titles in here too, Michelle. Thank you. <laughs> the retirement home for nuns. Like as I'm, uh, you know, I'm com- coming coming through here. Um space still available for the memory impa- impaired.
1: <laughs> I guess I'll read uh, one that I haven't read before. Wonderful. Um which is Pleasuring the enemy. Okay. Um, and this is kind of a love poem, but not really. <laughs> Pleasuring the enemy. If you don't like eating, we can go to the movies. If you don't like movies, we can go to the opera, the symphony. Let's moon over the cellist, the protest. Let's chant our own names, join the cult, and forego our worldly goods, release our balloons into the sorghum ether, play chemistry or make caramel in the kitchen, wear orange, and go hunt the last town over. Or you can wear orange, and I'll shave my head so my ears lie flat as an animal's. You can hunt me, and when I'm shivved to pieces on your pokers, you can hold me over the campfire, nudge marron glacé, glass into my nostrils. You can stuff me and sit me by the fire with a round of Chinese checkers. I'll let you win. I'll let you keep me in the closet, teetering on high boots, dirty-talking the hangers. You give a leather mask a real personality. I feel the edge of every bad sex dream knifing its merry way under my eyelids. My medicine cabinet topples from the heft of your medicine, and my walls soften like crepe from your heavy breath. I'm that mess. I'm in the dustbin. Make me pretty, or at least clean, or at least dirty. I want to know the soul. I want to be free of the body, the legs that spread easy as chopsticks. It's warm where you are. Someone's crying in the other room. Give me the chatty skeleton I can live in.
0: Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. Um, That last line is such a surprise. Is it? Mm-hmm. I guess it is. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So what was it like reading that one for the, like, for the first?
1: Um, it was, uh-huh. um, I think it's good to read the poems. You, you kind of start relying on certain poems that you think will provoke a response or hopefully provoke a response. And so it was, it was fun. I mean, the, the process of, this, of putting this book together and having it come out was pretty drawn out. And so, in some ways, um, the poems feel because I'm I'm pretty deep into my next project. The poems feel a bit distant from me, which is is a good thing for reading. Um, but also, of course, if you're at all neurotic like I am, you find yourself thinking, "Well, eh, you know, <laughs> where where else could I tinker?" No, um, no,
0: but right, like like we were talking about earlier, they're in the book now.
1: <laughs> right, they're in the book. They're in the book.
0: <laughs> and so, and that. So that's the poem that actually ends your first section, sort of the, the more like as you were saying earlier, Michelle, the part about um, the more international mm-hmm. in scope. Um,
1: and I think it's also about a, 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 someone that has not um, come into their own, like in, in, into their own body or into their own sexuality, and is sort of looking for ways to place themselves in the world um, in that way. It is it's still seeking that other.
0: That other. And, and I'm, and I'm also, as I was thinking, as you were saying that too, like it also is somehow then because of, then it does this other work where it's like the bridge poem to section two. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, interesting because the next because um just for everyone at home (laughs) or listening in the car um as you're driving along um the next section two starts with the title love poem already exists (laughs) which there's these such great moments of of humor within here and um so it's interesting that those two even though they're divided by the section divider are the ones that are the bridging the bridge
1: yeah i actually um hadn't realized that until you pointed that out but because i hadn't really thought of the poem that i just read as a love poem until recently and then i thought well it really is about wanting um, unromantic the 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 that what is wanted from the lover is not always you know whitman's a whitman sampler and tender gestures and all that um <laughs>
0: right Right, the Whitman Sampler, mm-hmm. very nice. Yeah, <laughs> very nice.
1: I, 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 have, I, I'm a fan of the Whitman Sampler.
0: <laughs> I like. it. first, I thought you were calling upon Walt, but then it went somewhere. No, it <laughs> somewhere went to else. CVS.
1: Where <laughs> it went? <laughs> went to CVS.
0: You know, you can't get away. Whenever I'm traveling, I'm always, I'm always in a CVS. So it's, it's, ter- true. it's terrible. It's um, terrible. So. Um, Michelle, maybe, let's see, since we're starting to talk about Section 2, is there a poem in, in here? Let's, let's hear another
1: poem. Sure. Um, I'm going to read um, Of the Motherland. Oh,
0: great. Okay.
1: And that originally began um, as, well, actually, no. I'm going to read... I'll read Shipwreck. Ah, Oh, I'm
0: glad. That one one I also have dog-eared. Okay. Shipwreck.
1: What we heard about thirst was true. Everywhere, water. Everywhere, salt. And we drank it. We learned to love our crumpling bones. Each sunspot on our skin deserved a christening. Distance gifted the world a shimmer. Time passed, perhaps. We grew wolfish. Spears of bird call, unthinkable birds. We searched for the Isle of Women. We searched for our dead fathers. We searched for the hardware store. We were used to solitude. Some of us had worked the mills where skylights cracked and loaned us stars. We learned to relish the ownership of ours. Our sheets acceded to the torpor. If you must, call it sickness. The sea colonized us. Below muslin, our heartbeats thrilled, lazy as laps. Breezes licked our faces flat. If we wept, we wept soundless as sand. What wave would betray our trust?
0: Thank you, Michelle. Guess what? And again, what? What a lovely, lovely line. Like what happens um, there? Like at the at the end, it's like it's so like that meaning of the double meanings. Like what wave would betray our trust? Because you think it's almost like it's it's soothing somehow, but then it's also or there will be one. So which one will it be?
1: <laughs> yeah. that's yeah.
0: Um, okay. Let's take a short break. Okay. And then we'll, we'll be back. And, um, and Michelle, thanks so much for talking with me today. We're, we're going to come back for the last part of the show, um, with Michelle Chan Brown today on living writers. I'm T Hetzel and we'll be right back. Welcome back you've got living writers I'm T Hetzel today on the program Michelle Chan Brown is here joins us via phone her latest um, double agent and the first book of poems the winner of Core Press's first book award
1: I really like your inflection there <laughs> wait which one the, the winner
0: the winner yes I know, my friend. <laughs> well, you are. Okay, so we we're in our last our last quarter of the hour for the program, Michelle. And and what I just realized is when we started to talk about DC, it sort of took us away because um, from maybe as uh, saying a word or two about uh, your work at Drunken Boat as the poetry editor. How how are things at Drunken
1: Boat? Things are good. Um, we've you know we receive an incredible range of submissions and and. And I'm, I'm blessed to have really um, intelligent and, and thoughtful readers, um, and I feel blessed to have to be reminded every day when I look in the submissions manager how many people are writing poems and submitting poems and um, wanting to, to see their work in the world and reading *Drunken Boat*. Um, I think we we um, are the, the magazine stands out because it, it does make such good use of the, the online form and we're always trying to, to push um, push the relationship between the, the word and, and, and the platform. Um, I'm actually looking for poems. There's a call-out for a, a special folio that I'm curating on debt right now. Oh. So if any, any listeners have poems that engage with the idea of debt, and that does not necessarily mean, you know, literal debt, <laughs> debt in, in any way you understand it.
0: <laughs> we're gonna, you're going to get a few about student loans.
1: No. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. You know, that's that's... That's a, certainly dead. It's truly dead, um, yes, exactly. Please do send them to, to Drunken Boat because I'm, I'm really excited for this, this particular folio. But we, we actually have two, our, our next two issues are already filled, and um, we're, we're, we're getting a really exciting aesthetic range in our work. And, and it's, it's um, you know, teaching teaching writing um, composition, it's nice to see what, what kinds of poems are, are being made. And I read these submissions. So I just, I feel bad that we can't accept more of them, you know. But that's always the way.
0: It is. Yes. Well, and so, and how many submissions are coming in when you say, like, on, like on a daily basis when you're opening up these?
1: Um, a lot. Uh, I, I kind of tend to do them and read and distribute them in bursts. So I, I, could, I couldn't tell you a daily rate, but it's a lot. Um, and we do get a lot of international submissions because we're, we're very... Um, interested in translations as well. Oh, wonderful. So,
0: of course, okay. And how did you, how did you start there, Michelle? What was your path to Drunken Boat?
1: I started as a reader there and then um, assistant editor and then the, um, the editor moved on for, for work reasons and, um, there I was. So, and
0: and so, and, and then is this when you, like when you were speaking about the folio for debt, is it something where you're thinking like what, what is out there that, um, Maybe is, is is current and people might be thinking about this and that we can create sort of people taking take like sort of um, thinking about it together in a forum is that did you decide on debt as one of the the folios
1: I did and I, I was especially interested in how because I think debt is something that infuses it, all aspects of, of like the cultural moment we're living in and I, I was especially interested in seeing how um, a poet would enact that via form. Like, what does debt look like on the page? Not narratively. Um, what does it mean to be always stretching to to be spending more than you have? Like, is there a way to enact that with the page? Um, so that's that's something that I'm I'm hoping to to see in the submissions.
0: So, well, everyone, you've heard that now. So send these. To Michelle, <laughs> get these poems going. When yeah, is
1: www.drunkenboat.com. We have a um, online submissions manager, as so many of the journals do.
0: And and so when and when does that end? Like when would be when we're reading through the end of the summer. Okay, so it's all open. It's open for the next couple of months. Mm-hmm. That sounds like well, wonderful. Okay, well, let's get back to Double Agent, um, the the book on the table. Um, Michelle, now we've heard something from each section except section three. Is, mm-hmm. is there a poem that you'd like to read from there? Um, or is there another poem you'd like to read for us? I think I'd
1: like to read Embassy, actually. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Okay. Embassy. The drawbridge has rusted again all hours of the evening maids and guards move languid as chess across the grounds, to place the stockade of stars lance exotic birds into the faults of the elms tonight's shade of sky is haze tonight's facts are a tight dress invitations deposed like feathers, blue mold threads the display of cheese, the closets are swept of local skeletons. Alliances are the great Danes, jaws shut with import flowers. The grass of other countries can blind the the glare of any sky. We know now we cannot return to the land of our origins. Our hearts, those murky children, do not dispute our boleros and bustiers. Even the river wears a pink cape, the bodies of the salmon. We know goodbye in six languages, hello in five. Uh,
0: Thanks, Michelle. I'm so glad you read that one. Thanks, T. The Embassy. Well, Michelle, with the with the with the, the the book now with the project that you're the manuscript that you're you're working on now with the poems, um, are they because this poem I know that people won't be able to see this of course, but when we're looking at the page we can see that it's in it's in a block so it's not one of the ones where you were using Couplets within it, um, and so when you're thinking about the purge poems, um, how is that? How is the shape shifting in those right now in your current work?
1: I think um, I've been using, as I said, a lot of really stripped down couplets, but I'm also um, trying to write. I am writing prose. Um, I'm working on some some short stories as well.
0: Ah, tell us about this.
1: I was um, going to ask just, you about It's a fiction. project that I've. Set for myself this summer that I I um, want to work on a collection of short stories um, because during the during the school year it's hard to I don't necessarily have the the you know the hour the hour and a half that I would need to sketch out a, a, a narrative but I'm I'm really I think my my first love is has always been the novel second so love the short story and so I think I I am at the point where I I want to try. Um, so I'm on a kind of poetry in the morning, short fiction in the afternoon regime. We'll see how long it lasts. Oh, that sounds great though. And then um, and
0: then do you run in the middle?
1: I do, yes. And then and I have absolutely no fun whatsoever. No, that's <laughs> not at all. No, I think I'm making myself sound very virtuous when I'm actually not that virtuous at all. Well it sounds um, this, rigorous. This is, a, this is a projected this is my my, my spy, my disguise, my well- Dark glasses. Um,
0: well, you did even say your. You said your summer plan. Like you, you did. Yeah, these yes. are plans,
1: and if I say them, then they will become true. Um, <laughs> it's my. It's my mission. Um, so yeah, I, and and I also I'm trying to work against what I think my um, my e- my easy um, def- my defaults are. So I'm, I'm worried now that sort of sound as replacing narrative logic or 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 aboutness or whatever um, has become. A habit of mine. So I'm mm. basically trying to work on any form that's going to get me out of what I usually rely on. So I'm not sure what that's going to mean yet. It may be um, traditional forms. Who knows?
0: Right, right. No, it sounds exciting. I mean, that doesn't, it doesn't surprise me because when you were talking about um, the call for for debt for a drunken boat, um you were saying like th- seeing how people would use form or so, so I think it's all something that's that's percolating there or yeah in the subconscious, yeah. how exciting about the the writing fiction too yeah,
1: yeah it really it really gives me a lot of pleasure and um and uh so we shall see but have you all
0: and you've always i feel like even I feel like when I knew you, you were also writing fiction too is
1: it i was something? trying and i'm still trying um
0: well is it part of the writing compulsion really yeah sort i think so.
1: but i think um I, I want i really want to train my brain to work in a more to, to to finish my goal this year is to finish things and i think the allure of the poem is that it's never finished really but it also it, it kind of provides a, a quick burst of satisfaction but even if it's not finished, you can kind of get away with it not being finished, or you don't really know.
0: Stop this truth-telling right now.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I'm just trying to be really self-critical and and, um, and and try to to force force myself to do things like finish something. And in a story, if you don't finish it well, you know, you kind of can't. There's nowhere to hide. So. <laughs> right. Right. Um, Right. Right.
0: Well, Michelle, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you for
1: talking with me. This is wonderful. It was a pleasure to hear your voice.
0: Oh, and, and, and yours and yours indeed. And, and, um, and a pleasure to talk about this, your, your book, double agent poems. Um, so everyone, you can go and pick up a copy. Um, near you. Um, this book is out with Core Press.
1: Yeah, it's um, available. You can order it through me or uh, to the traditional, you know, Barnes Noble Amazon. the And of course, the uh, press has a website as well.
0: So and that would be Core Press. And then as mentioned earlier, michellechanbrown.com. Um, would be your own site, so people could go and check out your your website as well, um, Michelle. And so, uh, Michelle, stay on the line, and we'll say um, uh, we'll say a goodbye off off air. Okay. <laughs> um, and thanks to everyone for listening out there, and thanks to Greg for engineering, for Greg and Tex um, for being wonderful as always, and many, many, many great thanks to Michelle Chan Brown and her her book Double Agent. I'm T Hetzel. Until next time.
2: You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and it is time for the Drive Time Polka Party. Get ready. Krogies, hoagies, pretzel cards, cheesesteak, clam bakes, polka bars, Camden Yards, and Fenway Park. That's what I like about the North. Diners, delicatessen, stuffing it, stuffing it ain't dressing. Catholic churches for confessing. That's what I like about the North. Fall into feet of snow and Lambeau Field in ten below. If folks don't like you, you will know. That's what I like about the North. Harlem Jazz, Chicago Blues, town Soul and Jersey Bruce, Prince and the Revolution. Now that's what I like about the North. soda fountains and egg creams and the braves ain't america's team that's what i like about the north you got the indians in ohio and the vikings up in minnesota mary tyler moore and rhoda that's what i like about the north We ain't fixin' to do, we just do it. And when it snows, we drive right through it. We smoke tobacco, we don't chew it. That's what I like about the North. Browns, Rangers, Steelers, Yankees, Norton, Ralph, Alfalfa, Spanky. Collinwood was the home of Frankie. That's what I like about the North. I can't get enough of them buffalo wings A Coke's not Sprite, you know what I mean That's what I like about the North Kabasi and fried bologna Hard salami